Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani. That's Tom Schreier. Recording Thursday morning, four days after the Vikings season came crashing down. Um, it's the off season now. A lot to talk about. A lot of this team, they could compete next year. Um, they probably will compete next year. But a lot, I think the team will look a lot different next year as well. So... A, a, a big offseason ahead. Um, Kwesi Adolfa Mensa and, and Kevin O'Connell talked yesterday to reporters. Uh, we talked about Ed Donatel and, and their not commit, non-commitment to him. We just talked about Kirk Cousins and their commitment to him. Tom, is there anything else that stood out yesterday to you from the press conference um, that was actually surprisingly short? I mean, yeah, it was it was, a half an hour long, and, and Kevin O'Connell probably talked about 22 minutes. It was a short half an hour in part because obviously O'Connell talks, which I actually, to be really clear, I'd prefer someone who is uh, maybe a little more long-winded than Same. someone's Kurt because you just don't know how to like work around that if they, they give you nothing. And sometimes they're just mad at the media and won't talk to you. But um, it was a short. Also, some of those questions were really long. But um, but yeah, they mentioned a lot of times, and we talked about this in the first segment, the championship caliber. And so... I think if the Vikings had won, beat New York, and got stomped in in um, San Francisco, which is what I kind of thought would happen, and we kind of alluded to that earlier, and I think if they, after that, talked about championship caliber, I think we would have associated the two, right? We'd gone, okay, they they are not good enough. The Vikings are not enough good enough to compete with San Francisco. Dallas stomped them. Yeah. Philadelphia stomped them. Yeah. They're making an association. By the way, we should be clear. They have a good idea who the Niners are, not just because they watch football like all of us, but the Niners were in camp with the Vikings, right? This is Trey Lance was there and all these guys come up from Marshall um, to support them or whatever. They saw firsthand what that roster makeup is, that the hard-nosed defense, the running schemes. Pretty cool to see two young coaches, right? Shanahan and O'Connell interacting and stuff. Um, so as much as they didn't play them in the season, they did – you know, they were a big part of their preseason. And I think those guys wouldn't say it, but they'd be like, yeah, San Francisco is pretty good. That would have been a tough game. Um, I think we would have looked and gone, oh, they're saying we don't have the talent threshold to play with San Francisco, Philadelphia, Dallas. And um, probably not wrong. I think some things could have gone different in the Philadelphia game to make it look closer. I don't know how they would have won that Dallas game. Dallas just beat them in, right? And I, I looked at, I know like, just talking to some of my friends because I was I was at a bar with the watching the Niners Seahawks game. They're like, man, you know, remember like the the Seahawks actually got a lead late. And actually, mm-hmm. we talked about this on a later show, but you 
was it that game or no, it's a Bills game. You blew my mind on the score. But either way, it was kind of like that where it's like there weird things can happen early in the game. And they're like, man, the, the Vikings could stand a chance if the if the Niners are really just that bad. And then the Niners just blew out Seattle. And um all of us were like, there's no way. There's just no way, right? And that is what what they're getting at is I think Quasi tries to take out variables, right? He's like, I don't I have no control over whether players get hurt. I can just have a good training staff and a good system for avoiding a nagging injury, basically turning into a bigger injury. Um, I can't control whether, or like, I know the percentages on whether a player will bust or not in the draft. I know what the likelihood of, let's say a Thielen, if he has a knee injury and he's going to be 32, 33, what that guy, you know what I mean? What that guy Mm -hmm. is going to be as a slot receiver. Um, I have an idea of what Harrison Smith will be at this point in his career and Eric Kendricks. Um, And I think he's just, in his mind as it pertains to the draft and the most immediate event coming up here, I'm just going to play the percentages, right. And, and try to, at the end of the day, go even with injuries and stuff, have this championship caliber roster. And I think it sounds weird coming off a loss to the giants, which is so far removed from a championship roster. It's hilarious. I know the giants could pull off a seven point upset or something against Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia just launches them in the moon, right? I just, I don't, you know what I mean? And if that, if that doesn't happen, whoever they play next will, um, that is not championship caliber. So it's, it's, I understand the association feels weird after a loss to the giants, it would have felt so much more appropriate with the Niners. And I think if you're an organization, I assess how good the AFC is. Cause if you're trying to win a championship, you got to be one of those teams. And then I assess immediately what the NFC North is and the, um, the NFC as a whole is. And if I'm assessing it, honestly, I think it's a three team race to win the North. I think Rogers comes back. I think the Packers will be better. I think they have talent on defense. They retain Joe Barry. They have to be right about that for that team to succeed, but I think they're good. And you mentioned the lions. I, I think the lions went through a tough spell in the toughest part of their schedule. Um, I think it takes a while to lift a team that was on the ground like that into someone, something relevant. I felt they were really relevant. I actually it was super meaningful to me that they, went and beat the Packers with no nothing to gain, right? Other than pride. They couldn't make it into the playoffs. Um, Goff's playing good enough, right? Um, and I think, so I think they have to look at, for us to be championship caliber, we got to be better than like two teams that are, are in the playoff mix, I think, in the NFC. And then I think they got to look at like, how do we close the gap between them and let's say Dallas or San Francisco? And I think that's why they kept repeating that, right? I mean, I think that is actually Quasi being accountable, being like, I have to do something in the draft because I can't sign players and they can't really trade. <laughs> so um, I think that's actually him being accountable, being like, I got to bring in guys to get us better. And I, I think we're going to have to look at the draft, right. And how they play yeah. next year to assess that. But I also think it's fair for him to say it's a two year horizon. I get people get weird with draft classes and they're like, you can't evaluate it for five years. I think you can evaluate it two or three years in because of how immediately players make an impact in the NFL. But I think it's fair for him to say, don't count out scene yet. Don't cut out booth yet as much as that's the guy I'm lowest on. We'll get Evans healthy. And again, Asamo, I thought was pretty good. So um, he's trying to do something here where like, I think he's hoping that entire, the two first two classes manifest next year. Um, difficult task, but I think he's putting it on himself. I actually like that. He kept saying that because I like that they acknowledged they weren't good enough this year, even though they had 13 wins. Yeah. And he even mentioned that in like his first, opening comments or at least Quasi and open Mensa did like it kind of came across as like a little awkward because to your earlier point about that he's like a nerd like yeah yeah like and, and he even said this earlier like someone asked him i think alec lewis from the athletic asked him mm-hmm. like 
what did you learn most in, in your first year on the job? And he said, like, I learned basically what he said is I learned how to like interact with people because in his mm-hmm. last job, um, you didn't get to know people. You didn't make emotional decisions because if you make emotional decisions on the stock market, you are usually wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, that was his point. Um, so he, he talked about how he learned a lot this year. Um, but kind of closing the loop on like the championship standard that they're setting, like Quasi told the story of how, how he was walking out of the, like his office or front office booth at us bank stadium. And he was trailing a group of fans. And the way he told the story was basically this fan was talking to someone else, you know, someone in her party and it's like, oh, you know, the Vikings, they always let me down, uh, mm-hmm. but this year felt different. And then Quasi was just like, and then, of course, like, she's right. It, this year wasn't any different. <laughs> and, like, the way he delivered that was so, like, abrupt. But it, it was a good, like, self-actualization or, like, a moment of self-awareness where, like, you can see, like, yeah, this is no different. Like, the, the 13 and 4 seemed really good. But it's no different than, than the teams that just bowed, you know, the teams from yesterday that have bowed out too early. Um, and, and I liked his point about, like, we don't like feeling this way. We are going to make sure or do everything we can to make sure we don't feel like this, um, this early again. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, there's going to be some tough decisions. It's going to be a big off season for Quasi and, and his front office. Cause they need to be right in a lot of these things to, to keep this roster talented, to keep this roster relevant. Um, one, one thing that stood out for me yesterday is like, I remember him talking about this draft during the draft and and, and during training camp, but like the bridge to from this year to next year with a lot of these rookies and they drafted a lot of players this past year with like the guise of a two-year plan. And Mm -hmm. and I don't think you hear that type of like game planning from, from a front office very often. I I think it's like, Oh, we hope these guys work out. Mm -hmm. And like, if their rookie year was good, it was good. If it wasn't, it wasn't like a lot of what the Vikings have done since Quasey took over, since Kevin O'Connell was hired is like plan, like a, like a two-year plan, a five-year plan, you know, a 10-year plan and whatever. Like it, it makes sense that someone that approaches things so analytically has a plan beyond just this year. But I, I did think it was interesting when you look at the draft that I think a lot of people are unimpressed with and, and you think about it in a way of like, okay, well, Lewisine and Andrew Booth Jr. Hard to call them a bust because they got hurt. Mm-hmm. Caleb Evans looked like a good player, suffered a season ending injury. Brian Asamoa, like that's a good example of someone they like bridged from this year to next year, mm-hmm. giving him playing time, not throwing him into the fire too early. Cause that is also some a mistake you can make with young guys just torpedoing their confidence because because you felt like you had to play them mm-hmm. um, could kind of ease Brian Osamoa along. Um, there's other guys at Ingram. He he got thrown in right away. Uh, that's a good ex- I think a good example of what happens when when a guy isn't ready and, and has to kind of step into a role. Um, he approved throughout the season, um, but I think he was kind of a, a lightning rod for criticism. But you, you can go through their draft class and, they, and they've worked guys into kind of the mix and and your hope with this two-year plan is that next year they they're they're actual substantial contributors at least some of them so uh, the plan is there um we'll see if they can execute 
Um, the plan also has to continue in, in the coming months. I think it's worth stating like there is, it's important to have a separation between the GM and the players in some capacity, yeah. as long as the GM understands personalities, right? Like does this player kind of fit with the group we have more importantly, do the coaches connect with the players? Like I remember, I mean, this is a baseball analogy, but I think it works across sports. I remember like Terry Ryan used to talk to the media. This is super rare, but every day when the twins were in town, they just meet us in the, dining room and i remember talking to one of the players and he goes oh i've never talked to that guy and i was like that's right like why would you why would you like talk to terry ryan and this is the gm of the twins at the time and like i don't my guess is quasi's personal with some of the players again there's not like that big of an age gap between them and and um he does as much as we say he's a quieter guy my guess is in one-on-one situations he, he's pretty personable but really O'Connell is that guy, right? O'Connell is the guy who kind of identifies with them in some ways because, and a lot of successful coaches are like this. He understands how good they are because he was the guy who constantly got cut and was with multiple organizations, even as a star player at San Diego State. Um, and I think, uh, so I think it's fine for him to be analytical, to be a little behind the scenes, to maybe not be as personable. I think, you know, mm-hmm. obviously he has to account for how the players interact. But I, the impression I've always gotten is that he's really close with O'Connell. When I first saw them together, I was like, they look like two guys who were like neighbors who walked football together. And, and they were just like fortunate enough a team let them take control or whatever. Um, I think beyond that, it's actually more on O'Connell. And again, he's thinking about this with the DC plan and um, and even Wes Phillips, how he interacts with the players. But it's more on O'Connell to kind of figure out all that. I actually don't hate that Quasi is a little quieter, that he's more analytical, that he's kind of seen this as stocks. As long as he accounts for the one thing you pointed out, he said like, yeah, there's a little bit of a translation between what you see on the spreadsheet and what you see on the field. And as long as he understands that and accounts for that, I don't hate the fact that GM in some ways to me Sure. literally he's positioned higher up right on the field i know the offensive coordinator is also but like you know he's literally up in the skybox where the coach is down on the field um and i do think it's important for him to be distant because at some point he's gonna have to make tough decisions whether it's about veterans this year whether it's about Kirk cousins in the future and drafting guys underneath him whether it's a situation where the next dalvin cook comes up or whatever and you have to go man i really like this guy and he's a great player i've seen him make great plays i need to preserve money for different positions right so um i don't want to really paint that as a negative because i actually think the gm should be a little distant from the players in some ways yeah no that's that's a fair point it's a good point um tom did anything stand out from locker room on monday because to me not much did um, yeah a bunch of sad guys it's always an awkward yeah thing. like we go in less than 24 hours after their season comes crashing down everyone's throwing their shit into garbage bags yeah like dapping each other up and just some reporters are sitting there in the corner waiting for someone to stand by their locker long enough for all of us to kind of descend around um it's just awkward for me everyone was obviously understandably sad understandably disappointed yeah um i didn't gain much out of that day Um, yeah i think the problem is there's not much to say because i think if if the niners just go beat them they're gonna be upset but i think i think it's easier for them to actually to go we just got outplayed man you know what i mean they torched the defense uh they got after cousins and he wasn't able to get the ball to jefferson as much or whatever it's a little harder when you can't really say that the the giants aren't better than you i yeah. the the i think dayball's great i think wink martindale's great i think they're really well coached i think daniel jones took a meaningful step and that's a reminder again that guy was terrible and sometimes if you like kind of take care of that guy just like goff Sometimes they can give you something, right? I don't think he's going to be a great player, but he's certainly getting paid in the offseason. Um, having said all that, yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess I picked up some things like like Hicks and some of these players, like, gave some credit to the culture 
um, from a year before. And I was like, actually, I think what happened is like they had a group of really fun players who were kind of swallowed up by Zimmer's anxiety. (laughs) But but I mean, it it was kind of funny thinking about that from a player who came in. The number one thing I picked up was I know Justin Jefferson has gone to multiple Wolves games because I also cover the Timberwolves and he sits courtside not far from the media. I know he was at the playing game last year against the Clippers. I know he was at two games, one against Memphis and one against Dallas this year. He said he was at a fourth and I can't, it might've been a playoff game or so. I can't remember what it was, but um, he, he weirdly was at the game. So this is against Memphis that the, and I know some of these, some of the Vikings listeners don't know anything about the Bulls, but the Carlton Towns, their st- one of their star players got injured the game before. And then somehow the Wolves beat Memphis who beat them in the playoffs. Um, and that was the start of Anthony Edwards going on a tear, like 25 points a game, kind of asserting himself as a star. He also seems to have a similar mentality as, as Justin Jefferson in that turn on the lights, put pressure on him. He'll be great. Right. Um, And I wanted to get a little bit on him. So I started with Edwards is play from Georgia, played football as a kid, built like a football player. Like he compared to a lot of these wiry, tall basketball players. He's especially for a young player, like pretty big. And, uh, and famously like lets people know, right. He goes on like Instagram and is throwing a ball 80 yards down the field that he kind of played some football. Right. But he compares himself to Jalen Ramsey, right. This, this star cornerback, um, as opposed to another basketball player. And I asked Jefferson about it and he kind of laughed and he's like, well, he talks a lot of trash. <laughs> I was, I was like, I mean, your court side, you hear it. Right. Um, and, and in that game, John Morant, the Memphis game, John Morant got kicked out. And I remember Edwards went to, John Morant's dad, who was sitting courtside and pointed at himself. He goes, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. Yeah. And like, I was like, Jefferson was close enough. He could have heard, heard that. But um, I did think that was funny. But he goes, yeah, I see the football background in him and that he plays a little physically one-on-one defense or whatever. Um, and I was like, I waited all year long to get that nugget because it's not something you can really ask in front of the cameras. It would just be a very random question on like a week, you know, seven before a week seven game or whatever. Um and like, it's just hard to track down Jefferson because he's obviously popular, right? He's he's doing all sorts of different media or whatever endorsement deals, whatever he's doing. Um, but I was happy that I kind of, I was like, it's interesting to hear a football player talk about a basketball just player who describes himself as a football player. That was the most exciting thing. I also noticed Justin Jefferson has a lot of shoes. <laughs> but other than that, I did not pick up a lot from that locker room session. So Tom asked, JJ about Ant and learn that he has a lot of shoes. I will never petition for less access because COVID was a good <laughs> uh, indicator of like, it is nice to be back in the locker room. It's nice yeah, to, be yeah. able to have these conversations, but that's proof that the, the post locker room cleanout days, that not a lot there. comes out of it. It's just an, an hour of awkwardness. Um, yeah. that it's It's kind of hard to, I think we said this Sunday, like to come to grips with the fact that the season's over, that we're not covering a game this Sunday. Yeah. Um, this Saturday probably would have been a Saturday game, um, but it is. And we will kind of keep rolling throughout the off season. The schedule is going to be like pretty variant. I would say Tom's a busy guy. He covers everything. He edits everything. I'm a busy guy. I cover the wild. Um, on top of the Vikings. So, but we will try and cut our best to come, come at you at least twice a week. Um, some days, some weeks it'll be one, some weeks it'll be two, maybe in the draft, it'll be three. We'll get back to our old three, three schedule. So, but we do appreciate you kind of tagging along this whole season. 
Um, we appreciate Tom dropping in mid-season as the co-host. I was the Hawkinson. Um, I'm going to give myself yeah, Hawkinson. Yeah, Tom was the Hawkinson. And and really, if if we were looking at this like from a scouting perspective, we should have seen this coming because Tom jumped, jumped, jumped on as a guest mm-hmm. and, and, and made the most astute call of the season. Um, we should have just hired him right there. Um, but no, it's, it's been a fun ride. And then we appreciate you kind of joining us this whole time. Um, if you want to interact with us, give us a follow. We're all, we're both on Twitter. Um, we would go back and forth with y'all too. We'll do some mailbags in the off season as well. Um, but yeah, that's my long-winded way of just saying thanks for, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, for Tom Schreier, I'm Dane Mizutani. Signing off. We will talk to you later.